welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. I'm Leah Heigl and I'm here with my co-host Aidan Muir. Today's episode, we are going to be addressing the question of does your metabolism slow as you age? So this is pretty complex topic. So let's start with just defining, I guess, what metabolism is and differentiating that from your total daily energy expenditure. So there basically are two things we're going to talk about. So A, total daily energy expenditure. That's how much energy you burn in a day, taking into account your metabolism, your activity, thermic effect of foods, how many calories you burn eating um, and your, your exercise. So it's everything all together. How many calories do you burn? Um, and then we have our basal metabolic rate that is a part of that equation. Um, but that is what I guess your quote unquote metabolism is. So that's the amount of energy you burn at rest before accounting for any of those extra calories burnt through activity or, or anything like that. So that's kind of what your metabolism is. Um, so it's important to differentiate these things because in this context of what we're talking about, yes, your metabolism kind of does slow as you age, but we've also got to look at the effects of your total daily energy expenditure from just general behavioral changes and kind of differentiating between those two things. That's going to be a huge part of this conversation. So we're actually going to start with diving into, I guess, the argument against the metabolism changing and kind of some research around that. Yeah, I think it makes sense to start there because a lot of people would automatically assume that it does drop and that's just a factual statement. And it's kind of like, it is more complex than that. There's so many variables. Anytime you say something, you've got to understand all the variables and everything like that. But like, let's propose the counter argument and then go with the more nuanced view. So the Probably the biggest study on this came out from Herman Ponzer and others in, well, literally just last year. And what they found, which is an interesting finding that obviously media and everyone latched onto, was that total daily energy expenditure was stable between the ages of 20 and 60 when fat mass was equated, sorry, fat free mass was equated for, with a slow decline after. And that decline after was about 0.7% annually after the age of 60. And there's a lot of things that go into that, which we'll probably touch on later as to why that potentially occurs. And prior to the age of 20, it was also a bit higher, but that's just due to growth. Like as you're growing, that obviously requires energy and stuff like that. Obviously, that's a surprising finding for a lot of people when they hear that like there's no difference between the age of 20 and 60. Because like so many people just personally will have experiences where they're like, oh, well, when I was 20, it was easy to <laughs> stay skinny or stay lean or like whatever. And then like as I aged, it got harder. Um, but there's a lot of variables that go into this. Like the fat-free mass being equated for is obviously a key one. They also found that men and women had similar total daily energy expenditure when variables such as fat-free mass were equated for. And that's a really interesting finding and super useful to know. But that's also the big issue with this study in particular in terms of you can't just say metabolism doesn't slow as we age because when fat-free mass is equated for, there's no difference. Yeah. Because even using the men and women one, like men on average have more lean mass than women therefore on average they have higher tdes both of these things are worth knowing yes just for knowing that when they're equated yeah and the same kind of thing goes for um as people age does the average 20 year old have more muscle than the average 60 year old usually yep usually yeah and like that's a that's a variable and there's a lot of other variables that go into this but like that's just like pointing out why this study showed that there was no difference between the ages of 20 and 60 
because they equated for variables such as the fat-free mass being equated. So looking at the, some of the research around this is quite interesting. So there is research looking at the average TDD, TDEE, so total daily energy expenditure in different age groups, um, and also compares this to the average once they take into account things like muscle mass and activity. And I think seeing those numbers side by side is it really adds a lot to this discussion. So there was one study that compared the RMR of resting metabolic rate, so similar to your basal metabolic rate, um, of three groups of people. Those were age 20 to 34, 60 to 74, and over 90. So compared to the youngest group, people age 60 to 74 burned roughly 122 fewer calories at rest, while people people over 90 burned around 422 fewer calories. So that's really significant numbers, 122 to 422. So literally 300 calories difference. However, when accounting for differences in gender, muscle and fat, they found that people aged 60 to 74 only burned um, 24 fewer calories, uh, while those over 90 burned 53 fewer calories on average daily. So that's a lot less significant once all those things have been taken into consideration. So there's obviously, when we're talking about metabolism changing as we age, we're really referring to, like there's a little bit of like change that that does happen, but we're really referring to that drop usually in muscle mass and what we'll talk about in terms of activity. Activity, Um, Those are the things that drop that yes, have an effect on metabolism, but it's not just that your your metabolism inherently drops significantly over time. Yeah. Another interesting thing that comes up is like, why why when lean mass is accounted for, is there still a drop after the age of 60? Like it's yeah. only a tiny drop, but like it, it's interesting to think about that That's question. True. And people have proposed like kind of rationale or like explanations to that. And the most common one, is that there's a lot of explanations, <laughs> but the most common one that seems to account for most of the change is a decrease in calories burned through internal organs and mitochondrial efficiency. For example, if your organs are no longer functioning as well, they probably are burning less calories to undertake the functions that they're doing is the main explanation. And some people have like leapt onto that and said some statements, which there's flaws, but it still kind of makes sense. They're like, as we get older the body starts breaking down, certain health conditions start arising, kidneys not functioning as well, mm-hmm. heart's not functioning as well, all these things are not functioning as well. That's probably part of why the calories are slightly less. Yeah, but that big difference is coming from that like, yeah. muscle mass difference. Yeah, it's like after equating like for all yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Like it's only a tiny is, thing. And that's why that's cool. why people over the age of 90, it was only 53 fewer calories on average after equating for muscle mass. Yeah, no, just insane to kind of see those numbers together. Yeah. Um. So talking a little bit, like we touched on it before, but energy expenditure and activity as we age. So talking about another study, so they followed 516 older adults aged 60 plus for 12 years uh, to see how much their metabolism fell per decade. So after accounting for muscle and fat differences per decade, women burned 
20 fewer calories at rest while men burned 70 fewer calories. So kind of similar to the previous study in its findings. What is really interesting about this study is that both men and women were also less active and burned 115 fewer calories through activity per decade. Um, so that really adds to the importance yeah. of active, like maintaining activity as you age. Like that's important um, if you want to maintain, you know, those higher calorie demands or that higher calorie budget. And what's really cool is that these numbers kind of like, they do stack up. Like, as you can see, yeah. like the numbers between these studies are actually like when you account for all these variables are coming out kind of similarly. But like over a 40 year time frame, like that's like 400 and something fewer calories, which doesn't make sense. Like, what if you have a knee replacement? What if you haven't, like, you struggle to get back to walking? Or like, there's so many variables that go into it. And I don't know, outside of like those are very specific examples I use, but like most people as they age do become less active for mm -hmm. a variety of reasons. Um, and it adds to the importance of if you do want to keep calorie burn higher, the importance of staying active and also building muscle and stuff like that, which comes alongside staying active too. Yeah. Going into some other thoughts, because like that, that really sums up a lot of it, but then it's like, well, there's heaps more that I wanted to touch on as well. So like, how does menopause affect things? Yeah. Because that's, that's a common thing that, like, a lot of people who read the Herman Ponser study, like, if you just, like, checked Facebook or Instagram comments and stuff like that when people were talking about it, like, th that was the most common thing I saw. That, like, people were like, how does menopause affect this? Um, just speaking from my thoughts, um, there's clearly changes in body fat distribution. So somebody could be X percent body fat the entire time, pre-menopause and post-menopause, but it was previously more distributed throughout their body. And now it's not as distributed because of the changes in estrogen and it's more around the stomach or whatever. So now they don't feel as lean, even though like they might have similar amounts of body fat. But then also like pre-menopause and post-menopause, like activity can change. Like so many variables in life can change. What if you get worse sleep because you're getting hot flushes and stuff like that? And then that carries over into food choices. What if your cravings change because of that? What if you um, are exercising less or whatever because you don't feel as good? Like there's a whole bunch of factors that go into this. Um, that's how, that's how I'd say menopause affects things. Like it's heaps of variables from that, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And there's also the fact that just generally talking about women that their total daily energy expenditure is lower than men typically. Um, so those small changes in energy expenditure as we age, whether it's behavioural or that little bit that comes from you know decrease in organ yeah. function and stuff, probably more noticeable in women as they age anyway because they've already started with yeah. a lower calorie budget. yeah. Yeah, I use, yeah, it's like, it makes so much sense to me. Like, it just, I, I talk about heaps of clients, like the classic um, husband and wife combo, where like yeah. the wife's like, I'm eating the same as my husband, but like he's dropping a kilo per week and I'm barely changing. Like, but like, yeah, it's just lower to start off with. And like, if you've already got a kind of low budget to start off with in terms of calories and you take 100 away from it, it's more noticeable than somebody who started at 3,000. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, something that we've been doing a little bit recently with clients is, you testing resting resting energy expenditure or resting mm -hmm. metabolic rate. So there's a thing called indirect calorimetry. And like there's businesses in most major cities, like not in rural areas or anything like that usually, but like in most major cities, you can find somewhere that does test metabolism. And I am often big on testing this stuff for people who are convinced that they have a slow metabolism because I'm a big believer in confidence when it comes to nutrition. And like if you think the intervention you're going to do is going to work you're more likely to execute on an intervention and if you think that you have a slow metabolism or whatever it's hard to build that confidence 
And testing can sometimes be useful there because two things can happen. One, the test could say that you don't have a slow metabolism. It's like, sweet. Which is good to know. <laughs> That's good to know. You're on an even playing field and then you have to focus on all the other variables and everything like that that you would have had to focus on otherwise. Or it tells you that you do have a slower than expected metabolism and you have a lower total daily energy expenditure due to that. And now you know the barrier that needs to be overcome. For example, if your basal metabolic rate was going to be 1,700 calories, for example, and what it actually is is like 80% of that, so it's a little bit less than that, you now know that you might need to go like 200 calories lower than previously to achieve the same outcome. Or you could be like, maybe I need to spend more time on higher calories to kind of address that in some cases. Like people talk about reverse dieting or just spending time on maintenance calories or whatever. Like if you'd previously been on lower calories for an extended period of time, that could be something to think about. But I like that because it gives you the barrier that needs to be overcome to a certain degree. It's very hard to have confidence if you don't know what you're trying to overcome. And this kind of helps build that confidence. Yeah. Just having that, especially if it's something you're questioning you're like oh i think i have a slow metabolism just having that yes or no answer yeah. can just yeah it i think it helps a lot so i'm glad we have access to something like that yeah for sure and that's that's why i mentioned the, the like city thing because it's like i don't know you don't need access to this because at the end of the day like yeah you don't, like, it's not necessary it's not necessary it's just nice to have yeah. um but yeah and then the biggest thing and it's really like more empathy and everything like that comes into play but i wanted to talk through this as well is changes occur throughout life that thing can't really be debatable, but I think this is the biggest factor in like metabolism changes or whatever most people actually experience. Um, I, I don't know how to go through this in, in a way that like is like um, the easiest way to go through it. Like for example, when you're under 18 or whatever, or when you're young, obviously there's the growing variable, but you're also not working. <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're not working. You probably have less stress. Then there's like activity, like, when you're walking around school and stuff like that, you're walking around versus like driving everywhere or now we've got Uber and everything like that. Um, another thing that I think is, it's interesting, but like we, as an adult, we can, if you earn a decent income, you can eat whenever you want. Yeah. Like, do you remember when you were a kid and like, you'd ask your mum what, like, you're like, tell her you're hungry. Yeah. Like can I have an afternoon snack? And like, oh, there's apples in the fridge. And you're like, oh, but as an adult now, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have that finger bun that I know is in the Yeah. Cupboard. Yeah. Like <laughs> you've got access. Like you don't have to wait until dinner. You can eat whenever you want. Like I, and like these are, that's just like one of many variables. Alcohol, like I, ideally most people aren't drinking heaps of alcohol under the age of 18 or whatever. And then they, they add that variable in um, sleep. Most people get better sleep when they're younger as well. And then they get worse sleep because they have kids or because they have jobs or because once again, their parents aren't making them sleep or like a whole bunch of things. Um, caffeinated drinks like coffees and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Usually people when they're under the age of 18 are probably not having as much calories coming through that kind of stuff as they are over the age of 18. Um, then body composition changes as we talked about with muscle and fat and everything like that. And then just like activity, like when you're in school, you might be playing sports and stuff like that. And then you might not when you're older and everything like that. Um, I've just touched on like so many things, but yeah. the whole point I'm getting at is that variables change. You are not living the same life that you lived five years ago, no matter how close it feels or whatever. And even if it's only like 200 calories different in terms of you eat 100 calories more and you move 100 calories less because you get slightly less steps or like whatever it is. Um, that's enough to make a bit of a change. And what if you only gain a few kilos per year, for example? That's a very small surplus spread out over a long period of time. Or what if you only gain a small amount 
over holidays and you just maintain for the rest of the year, for example. And then like that adds up over four years or something like that. Um, is that a slow metabolism thing or is that another, like all these other variables adding up kind of thing? Because it only takes tiny changes for all of this to happen very slowly over time. Yeah, and what I think is great and cool about that answer rather than, oh, our metabolism just inherently decreases as we age is that we have control to some degree yeah. over this stuff and over these variables. Sure, life is is going to change and there's sometimes you don't have control over those things, but being active, trying to maintain muscle mass, trying to get sleep, trying to make good food choices, like they are all somewhat in your control. Mm. It's not like there's this inherent thing that is really significant that happens to you over time. Like you, you have some control over this stuff, which I think is a positive. Yeah. I see it as empowering because there is a lot of people who I see who like offhand will just say, I know your metabolism slows down as you age. Yes. And they're just like chucking it in and being like, oh, that's out of my control. And as you said, like a lot of this stuff is within your control to a certain degree. Like there is stuff that's out of your control. Like it, it's harder to build muscle post yeah. 40. There's like, there is stuff that like, but like, the thing that I think is super relevant is it's like what percentage of 45-year-old women start lifting weights for the first time and training hard versus those who don't? Like there's a lot of easy wins that are still there. And I'm not saying that's easy. Like that's still a very hard yeah. thing to do. But it's like um, staying active is an outlier activity. Not many people are, have a high level of activity. Getting good sleep is an outlier activity. Or even like I shouldn't say it like that. I mean like doing whatever is in in your control to get good sleep. Like we can't control if kids are up all night screaming or whatever, but like we can control little details, like whether we choose to stay up later or like certain things like that. Yeah. Um, trying to minimize stress and stuff like that is like, there's some things we have a little bit of control. There's stuff we can't control, but if we focus on what we can control, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we just, we have some control over this. So, you know, you mm. can do what you can to, you're not like at the grips of this thing that just happens to you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a better description. Yeah. I don't want to go with that one. I reckon we wrap it up after that. Yeah, well, this is episode 50, which is a pretty cool milestone for us, halfway to 100. Um, so thank you for tuning in and we'll be back next week. Yeah.